Welcome to the Access Church Podcast. Grab out your note sheet and let's jump right into today's sermon. Um, There might have been a lot of things that we shared about as far as when it comes to success. One of the things I want to talk about today is kind of the underlying or foundational thing that really helps with all these other activities that help us to be successful. And Jesus is going to talk about this in Luke chapter 8. We're going to be going through verses 4 through 15. It's a popular passage, but hopefully... I want to break it down in a way that kind of, uh, for those of you that know it, uh, kind of brings some new life to it, or maybe for some of us the first time uh, that we've heard it. Um, so the premise of today is your heart is what matters most to success. The state of your heart. You can do all kinds of activities, but the state of your heart is what really matters in life. And we know this with anything, right? Like if your heart isn't into your job, how much effort, you know, do you put in that extra effort where those of you that are in a job where your heart's into it, like, you know, you probably go that extra mile. Um, and so it's interesting when I think about my life, like, um, when it comes to education. So all the way up into high school, um, I w- was not uh, known to not only succeed in school, but show up to school. And so looking at that, you can just be like, you're just not very bright or you're not very disciplined or things like that. But it was a state of the heart. I didn't care. I didn't see any benefit of school. Um, I rarely had teachers that I felt like cared if I was there or not, or even liked us. Um, and so it wasn't an environment where my heart wasn't into it, right? But when my heart's not into something, it looks like it's not successful. And so you could look at that and be like, well, I'm just not good at school. Well, what's amazing, though, is in college, I actually averaged over a 3.5. Well, what did that? Well, what does that is when you meet a woman that eventually you're going to have to like support, like have a job, like have a career. Like, so it's amazing how when Christine and I met, all of a sudden just my grades went up. Uh, I went from going to part-time school to full-time school while working. But like, what happened? The heart. All of a sudden, I, I, I saw there's an excitement there. There's a motivation there, right? Some of us might be struggling and we're trying to fix all these behavioral things, but God might want to slow you down and be like, look at your heart which can be honestly very hard, it's easier for us just, you know, to judge other people than to judge ourselves. Because the truth is sometimes painful, right? I mean, just the truth, and I'll share a really lame one, but it's only one I can think of. Like, um, I had my, uh, what are they, you know, they nephew, what am I, I'm my uncle, right? Your kids? Great uncle. I'm a great, I'm a, oh, I'm a great uncle, you guys. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> You're like, what am I? You're like average uncle? I don't know. <laughs> um, but we're in the pool and I'm playing with Kaylee's uh, kids and um, Annabelle and uh, and we're having a blast. And I'm having a blast. And Annabelle, you know when the kids, they're just looking at you like, this is the best. I'm throwing them. I'm really good at throwing kids in the pool. So I'm, I'm throwing them. We're having a blast and all this kind of stuff. And she's on my hip here. And then she just goes, why do you have hair sticking out of your nose? And my heart just like, <laughs> and I didn't know what to say. I'm like, because I'm old? Like, I didn't know. Like, I, I just panicked. <laughs> but it wasn't like mean. She just looked like, hey, why, why, why is that? Like, <laughs> hey, but I, I, it was one of the things like, I'm like, ah, ha, ha, ha. And then I turn away. I'm like trying to shove it back up. You know, I'm just like, <laughs> the truth hurts sometimes. <laughs> like, dude, shave your noses, right? <laughs> like, but it, but it was one of those, like, sometimes, Kids, like, they can be brutal because they honestly reflect 
right? Sometimes we don't want them to be honest in public. I know Aiden sometimes when he was a little kid would comment on people. I'm like, ah, don't say that. He's like, you're just being honest, right? Or, you know, the kids. And the word of God can be like that where it's sometimes painful. It's like, ah, and I, I don't want to be that person. But the Bible's like, hey, it's better to be honest than to live in deception. Okay? So what Jesus is trying to do is get us to be honest with ourselves. Luke 8, verse 4, he's going to share a story. He's going to illustrate the meaning of it for us to kind of contemplate when it comes to our heart. He said, now when a large, uh, now when a large crowd was coming together, those uh, from various cities were journeying to him. He spoke by way of parable. Verse 5. The sower went out to sow his seed, which again, he's using stories and illustrations that they're very familiar with, right? And so uh, he says that some fell beside the road and it was trampled underfoot and the birds of the sky ate it up. Other seed fell on rocky soil and when it came up, it withered away because it had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and it choked it out. And yet other seed fell into the good soil and grew up and produced a uh, a crop a hundred times as much. As he said these things, he called out, the one who has ears uh, to hear, let them hear. So he's sharing something that they're pretty familiar with. Like, okay, we saw, we've traveled all this way, this guy's not saying anything. Like, we know farming. Yeah. You know, that's kind of basic. And what I love about what God does in our lives, I don't know if you notice this, but sometimes one of those spiritual moments are moments where God's trying to teach you something and it's very basic, or he's using life illustrations. Like, I know for me, one of the things that has really helped me understand the love of God is being a parent. Like, I, I feel like God just gives us the physical world to help us really understand the spiritual world. And so he might give you kids or maybe certain jobs or certain situations. Or maybe for someone, it is like gardening. I was talking to one guy, and he goes, I love the garden because it, it just reminds me of the tenderness and how much God does for me. That that plant is growing, but the plant never thanks him. It's not like, hey, you know, thank you. Or it doesn't, the plant doesn't know. The plant just knows it's growing, it's producing. And, he, and so when he's gardening, he's like, I, right? There's so many things I feel like God just says, the physical world is just a mirror to help you understand the spiritual world. The spiritual world is actually more real than, than this. And so Jesus is using something very practical in their lives. Um, but the few verses after that, it says the disciples were confused, so he had to explain. So they're like, okay, so he pulled it up on me. Like, okay. So Jesus says, let me explain. And again, when you really seek God with an earnest heart, He will explain things that are confusing to you. But you have to engage Him. You have to ask. You have to be honest. And, yeah, I don't completely understand. Don't act like you know it. And God will explain things to you. And so, uh, verse 11. He says, now this is the parable. The seed is the word of God. So it's God's truth and God's love. And He says, and those beside the road are the ones who have heard then the devil comes and takes away the word from their, what's that word? From their heart. All right? So the, we see the soil is our heart, and the seed is God's truth and love. How does it penetrate? How does it bear fruit in your life? All right? So we've been talking about these different stages of the heart and why some struggle and why some are successful. And so he says, well, one aspect is that... Uh, is that there's a spiritual component to it uh, that we have to understand for us, for us to be fruitful and for our hearts to be successful. So he says that there's a component where Satan will come in and, and Satan's role, what we 
see here, the eagle, not to get you strung out on drugs and proud of the some people. It's not necessarily to just to, to make everything bad or to scare you like scary movies. Like primary goal is when Steve and God's trying to plant something in your heart, he wants to pick it away. I just don't want you to receive God's truth and love. Because when a heart receives it, it's powerful. So any time in your life where you see that things are being blocked or that maybe I'm being distracted or that and it's I'm, I'm lacking God's truth and love, whether it's through worship, whether it's through God's word, whether it's through God's people, whether it's just listening to the Spirit, letting them say how much He loves you, um, reveal things to you, the more times that that's removed, the less fruitful your heart can be, your life can be. So if you're saying, hey, there's a spiritual component to this, right? He says, so that's one aspect of the story. Satan's looking to take that seed out. Those on the rocky soil are the ones who, when they hear, they receive the word with joy. And yet these do not have a firm root. They believe for a while, and in a time of temptation, they fall away. That word temptation, just you know, you can circle it, underline that word. Um, it's used in the Greek as far as being uh, tempted or being tested. It's used interchangeably, just you know. So when my, when your faith is tested, so you're super stoked, you hear, you're like, oh my God, I took so many notes. Oh my God, I just, I got so much out of the word of God this morning. And sometimes we think that that's the, that's the fruit. And we're like, uh-uh, no, 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 no. It's when you're tested, can you pass the test? And so you're saying a, a, a part of this fruitfulness is being able to pass the test of life. That when there's, there's temptation to wander away from God or or a certain idea or promise of God is being tested. Like, um, you know, God is, uh, you know, loving. You know, say it's the truth where God loves you, has plans for you, right? Let's say that's tested where all of a sudden you don't see any plans working out. The job you want didn't work out. The relationship you want didn't work out. Whatever it might be, that's tested. I have a, I have a theory. God is good. I wrote it down in my journal. I cried about it on a worship song. No fruit yet. Later that day, when you're tested, can you pass a test as far as I'll continue to worship Him? I'll continue to believe Him that when I don't see the results of God being good, I know that He is, and I just need to stay faithful. So He's trying to illustrate these things as far as what is really um, the obstacle and the opportunity when it comes to being fruitful as a Christian. So He says the rocky soil, they don't have a firm root. They believe for a while, but in time of testing, they fall away. And the seed which fell among the thorns, these are the ones who have heard. And as they go on their way, they are choked out by worries, riches, and pleasures of this life. And they bring no fruit to maturity. You see the stages here? One stage is that the seed doesn't do anything. The next stage is the seed gets there, but the root never has time to grow down. It's all emotions. The next one is that the root goes down, but the fruit never has a chance to grow to maturity. And so maybe you just get the little seedlings of the fruit, or you get the little buds of the flower, right? But it never fully, it never fully blossoms, right? And so he's saying, well, how does that happen? It's, well, it's when it's the uh, the heart is distracted by worries, riches, and pleasures of this life. But, he says, the seed and the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word with a good and virtuous heart, 
and hold it firmly and produce fruit with perseverance. Uh, just so you know, the, the words um, hold firmly, um, that's also used when you read the Bible as far as to grasp something and to take possession of it. Same Greek word. So that when you hear God's truth, either in God's word or someone says something or someone's praying for you, or you're kind of listening to the Holy Spirit laying on your heart, don't be flippant with it. Hold on to it. Grasp it. Take back what the word is. Take possession of it. It's mine. That truth is mine. Those words are mine. And it says, then hold on. Perseverance is, don't let it go. What happens when I lack perseverance? I get tired and I just let an idea go, a promise go, or whatever it might be, right? And stay with it. Stay with it. So what I want to do is kind of go through this passage and take a look at where we at today. Maybe payday for you is going to be an encouraging day. It's like, all right, I'm on, I'm on the right path. I just need to keep producing. Maybe for some of us, like, wow, I, I had that kind of a heart, but maybe things have wandered off. And so hopefully it's encouraging either way uh, and that we see that our goal is to make sure that our hearts are right with God because that's where it starts. Right? I'm sure some of you, when you shared about essential things for success, reading the Bible, I'm assuming maybe it was part of that, being around Christians, what were some other things maybe that you heard? What, what were other things? Prayer. Say what? Trust. Right? But all those things, if I don't have the right heart, you can do those things. I don't know if you've ever read the Bible, but you know your heart really wasn't into it. You were just doing it, to, right? It doesn't produce much. It makes you feel good on the inside. Check the box. But what God is saying is, hey, it's self-deception. Start with your heart, then get into the Word of God. I remember being dragged to church for years. Why did I get nothing out of it? Because I could care less when I was there. Right? And then when my heart changed, church changed. So we got to start with the heart. All right, so here's the challenge and here's the goal. The challenge are the three types of hearts that we could possibly have that distract us from uh, being fruitful or keep us from being fruitful. The first one he talks about is the hard heart. You write on your note sheet there, the hard heart. The hard heart is the uh, just off the road. And notice that the seed fell just off the road. I don't know if any of you are farmers, but most people don't plant seeds right on a road, right? Because it's hard packed. It's where people walk. It can't get in the soil at all. What he's saying is some of you, your hearts are like that. It's a hard heart. It's hard ground. And so with this type of heart, is there's no desire or attempt to receive God's word. There's no desire or attempt to receive God's word. And so what he's saying is sometimes we can go through phases of life where why am I not growing? Why is there no fruit? And when the Bible talks about fruit, just, just so you know, uh, a lot of times we think about numbers, like all of a sudden you're going to have a major ministry or, you know, we think of fruit as numeric. No, fruit is just two things. It's that you bear fruit in the character of God. Galatians talks about that, love, joy, peace. What? Like, keep going, Carmen, you're good. You just, yeah, take the sermon, keep going, yeah. But isn't that what our heart desires the most, even though we chase money we chase being useful. We chase relationships. Think about this. Doesn't our heart really desire love, joy, like a joyful life, peace? I'm not in conflict all the time. There's not a lot of angst. Right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, 
self-control. I'm not out of control of my finances. I'm not out of control of my mouth. I'm not out of control of my thinking. Self-control. Right? And saying, where does that come from? Well, it comes from, first of all, a soft heart. And some of us are lacking that because we hear God's words, but we don't listen to God's words. Our heart is hard. His word just bounces right off. What the Bible says is that when you hear, whether it's a sermon or you read the Bible, if you don't grasp onto that, Satan is looking to pluck it away so you forget it throughout the week. So you can be a Christian or participating and still have a hard heart. A hard heart isn't necessarily you can know it. And the Bible says, hey, just be aware that when you have that hard heart, you're not longing for God's word. It's kind of, it's one of those things where it's like, well, if it fits me, great, but otherwise I'm looking to other things in the world and what success is and what, what I need to be as a man or what I need to be as a woman. That Satan's going to be easily pull that seed and it's never going to grow. And so I'm always going to lack love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, the fruit of God, the fruit of the Spirit. Now, a sign of a hard heart, though, is this. A sign of it is that I isolate myself from God's Word and His people. So if you're looking like, how do I kind of know? I begin to isolate. Because when I have a hard heart, I don't want people to know. So intimacy, sharing. So just you know, when you start to isolate, what you got to be careful of is that's what could be a sign of my heart beginning to harden. That I don't want people to know. I don't want. I don't want the truth. Like you know. And so be careful of that. That's why being in like connection groups is. This is like being at church, being in that community. There's something that kind of just keeps our heart softened, right? And so an isolation is where I can grow a hardness of the heart. And that's also where Satan desires the most because we're most vulnerable. When did Satan go after Jesus? No, nobody. <laughs> you, got, you got to like, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> the confusion right now at our church. Uh, Right in the desert. Yeah. Now, now you guys are like, oh yeah, yeah, desert. Yeah, I knew that. Yeah, right. But in the desert, why? Because Jesus was what? Alone. Right. So the way Satan can pull the seed from your heart is to isolate you. Don't show up. Don't go. Don't connect. Don't talk. We're most vulnerable. And so we got to be careful of the hard heart. The second thing, though, we see in this story is the shallow heart. Sometimes we, we might not have a hard heart, but we have a shallow heart. And a shallow heart, this is where you receive it with joy, right? But then when temptation or, or testing comes, boom, fade away. Nothing happens, right? And a shallow heart is this. I enjoy God's words more than I seek to obey them. This is actually a more dangerous one. Just so you know, a hard heart is actually easier to repent of than these other ones. Because I'm self-deceived. Because it's like, wait, the seed planted... This is the one where I, what we got to be careful of is we think of a great week is I listen to God rather than did I obey God. And I do this a lot. I'll ask people like, how's your week? Or, you know, and usually people, you just grow up in church and it's like, oh, I read my Bible this week. I did a Bible study. And I'm like, that's great. I'm not going to be like, that's nothing. That's great. But what's a great week? Did I obey God this week? Did I please Jesus this week? The Bible is what helps with that, but the Bible is not the end of it. I don't think we have a verse where God applauds us for reading the Bible. I mean, they're like, woo! 
but his eyes are searching for those that are obedient to what they hear. And so this takes our faith from... Now, here's the thing. We have emotions in our faith, but our faith should not be based emotionally. And you guys know this because even a relationship, we tend to romanticize relationships, right? You watch the movies, you're like, that's just not real life. You're in a relationship. You're like, you know, but, it's, but we, we, we see relationships where if it's emotions-based, there's no substance a follow-through of being teammates or, or really learning how to truly love one another and sacrificially love and, and how to even love one another when you don't like each other. Like that's a maturity of love. So as soon as I don't like you, then I'm out of the relationship, right? It's based off emotion rather than on substance. And that's the same thing that a shallow heart can be in our walk with God. So just making sure that, I'm not saying don't enjoy God's Word, but make sure that as much as I enjoy it, that I'm actually obeying it. Because that's where the fruit comes from. And I know it's hard. I've taught on this before, and I know some people kind of debated me like, I feel like you're diminishing God's Word. I'm not. But I'm telling you, Fruit does not come out of reading God's Word. It comes out of following God's Word. And some of us, we can follow God for 20 years. And maybe we look at our lives and go, where's the fruit? Like, I feel like I love the same as I did 20 years ago. And when I counsel and walk with people, what I notice is there's a disconnect between they go to church and they read God's Word, but they can never connect it to their life. This is the word sometimes I use with people when I'm helping them understand where their hearts are. They say, would you describe yourself as someone who has faith in God but has lacked faithfulness to Him? And I say, yes. I've always had faith in God, but I lack faithfulness to Him. I believe He's real. I just don't follow through on the things He's called me to do. And this is more than just like, hey, you just need to listen to God, you know, go to church. You know, no, no, no. I'm, I'm talking about where God would be like, hey, God's Word and God's truth are planted in you. Hey, forgive. I'm like, I don't want to. They don't deserve it. Hey, sacrificially love without being reciprocated in love, just like Jesus did. Uh-uh, no. If I love someone, I want to be reciprocated. You better clap and applause and notice that I... And it's amazing how we can appear to be Christian means, but many of us can avoid obeying God, especially in things that make us uncomfortable or like, I just don't want to do it. And so the Bible says, be careful because your heart can get shallow. And that doesn't produce fruit. Now, the third one is a divided heart. Right? That's the soil that is super stoked on God, loves God's Word. But then it's like as soon as they leave the building, the church building, or as soon as they get done with their devotion, all of a sudden worries and finances and future. And where am I going to do this? And how am I going to do that? And what's going to go on there? Or I just get so excited and it becomes about the money and it becomes about the the, whatever the pleasure is, right? And, and so it's not even a bad thing, but I become, I have a divided heart for even the good things of this world. And a divided heart is where God's words are not powerful or practical in my daily life. That's a divided heart. So a divided heart is one where I really like and I'm impacted mentally by God's love and truth. In his words in my life, but it doesn't really play out in my life. So when it talks about that God's comfort, we don't see God's comfort. I find comfort in other things, right? Whether it's an addiction or whether it's just being lazy watching TV and just not, whatever it is. So there's, there's, there's a, 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 um, a gap between what I 
Well, the sign of this is that my knowledge of God is much greater than my obedience to God. This is where this, this heart has to be careful. That this person has an amazing understanding. They, they know a lot about God, but it doesn't match to the level of obedience. And this is where Paul says, be careful, knowledge puffs up. And you, you become prideful. And I've said this before, where I'd rather be a church that you might not have memorized the whole Bible, but anything that you have read, you've lived out that week. It's better to have one verse and you try for a whole month to live it out than to read your Bible every day and not remember what you read. There's no fruit there. And so we see the goal. The goal is a good heart in what Jesus is trying to help them understand. And a good heart, is I would define as this. I value God's words as my greatest and most important possession in life. That's a good heart. And where do I get this from? Where he talks about, he's saying, hey, the seed on good soil with a good heart, he explains it. He says they hold it firmly, they take possession, and they persevere, which means they never let it go. What do you hold on to and never let someone tear out of your hands? Something that you consider very, very valuable, right? I will never let that go. It could be financially. It could be a, a possession like you move from place to place. Any of you have moved multiple times? And, and you might look at someone and be like, why are we taking that with us as we're moving, right? But to them, it's, it's, it's you know, something that I will never let it go. That's perseverance. No matter what you tell me, no matter what comes against me, I will not let this grip go on God's truth or God's love in my life or God's promises in my life. Even if it doesn't make sense to the world, my greatest possession in my life is God's words. I value them. And, and here's a sign of it, is I prioritize God's words over anyone else in life. And that means the words in your own head that can mix you up. It means the words of this world. Right? I say, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that to be a Christian. You don't have to go that far. Oh, you're not a super Christian. Just keep it at this level. And I think we miss out on really being fruitful, experiencing God's fruit in our life. But here's the other thing, being fruitful in other people's lives where we actually have an impact on their life too. Because if you're fruitful in your life, that spills over into other people's lives. And so he's, what he's saying is, hey, it starts with your heart. I think it's a great time for us as a church just to kind of reflect on that. Sometimes we can kind of be active as a church, but let's be reflective saying, where's your heart in these activities are? Because maybe that's why some of us were like, I'm not where I want to be. And it's like, well, is the heart maybe a little bit hard? Well, I don't even, I don't even keep God's words. It's like, I'll do it if I show up to church, but throughout the week, there's not a lot of receptivity there. Is it maybe a shallow heart where I have a lot of emotion, I enjoy it, but I have a disconnect to then following through and obeying it and being intentional with that? Maybe for some of us, it's, you know, it's a divided heart. It's like I'm into it when I'm into God, but as soon as I look at my practical life, he doesn't impact my finances, he doesn't impact my words, he doesn't impact my relationships, and to bring to connect those things in. Let God into those areas of your life. Proverbs 4, 20-23 reminds us of the importance of this. The, the writer says, My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ears to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. So above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from. 
when you guard something, right? You're watching it, you're noticing it, you're paying attention to it. Sometimes we can look at techniques in life, right? Um, I'll meet and I'll be counseling my parents. And let's say they're like, man, I'm just, I can't seem to get my anger under control. I can't seem to like, you know, I feel overwhelmed, you know, things like that. And, and we want to talk through techniques. Like, all right, we'll do this with your kids. We'll do that with your kids. But a lot of times it's like, well, where's your heart at? Where have worries come in and you're overwhelmed? Maybe you're angry because you're worried that your kid's going to turn out like you did. I don't want them to make the same mistake. And so now I don't trust God. I have to control my kids. You will not make the same mistake. And without knowing that, I'm parenting a six-year-old out of fear and worry. Well, what the Bible says, you're actually parenting out of a divided heart. Rather than, you know what, their path might intersect my path, but that's up to the Lord. I trust God with my kids. I trust God with my money. I trust God with my words. Where that heart comes out of, it's not a technique thing. It's, i got to look within my heart. There's a guy we're going to put up here. You see him in his family. His name is Jason Brown. You got the, got the picture. I'm going to change the light for you guys. Jason Brown. Some of you, if you watch football, might, might be aware of him. But I heard this story. Uh, there was another football player um, just recently, within last week, who just retired and uh, didn't sign a multi-million dollar contract. He was like, nope, I'm going into ministry and give my life to the Lord. This football thing is not the, the end all be all. Jason Brown did that years ago. At age 26, he signed a $37.5 million contract. One of the largest for an NFL, you know what position he played? Can you tell? He's a lineman. Yeah, yeah, he's a lineman. Um, but a few years later, he would decide to retire from his football career early, even though he could have signed another humongous contract. In the article, it says, people tell me that I'm crazy, and these are people close to him. Again, sometimes the Christians around us can affect our hearts worse than rather than in a better way, right? And even the people around are like, you're crazy, downright stupid, uh, to walk away from millions of dollars. Because if you have the opportunity to play in the NFL, he says, it's supposed to be a no-brainer. Right? It's a no-brainer. You don't have to think about it very much. But he said, God told me that he had something greater in store for me. I don't know if you've had words like that from God, right? Where God's kind of like laying something on your heart. But sometimes we can be in for it, into it for a little bit, and then we kind of move on. Have you ever done that? Where you're kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then you move on, and you get distracted, and then you have to work extra hours, or then you got really busy, and you got into something, into a new Netflix show, and, and that, that seed, it's there, but then, oh, you just got excited about something. Or maybe for some of us, God has something greater in store, and then all of a sudden just our worries, who am I? I'm nothing. Look at my failures in my past, right? We can let these thoughts, and the seed never goes down. When God gives you a word, he wants to plant something out of it. He's not doing it just to encourage you. He's doing it to change you and to change others. When God gives you a word, it's to change you and to change others. It's not about just to kind of make you feel a certain way. And some of us, we get stuck. We feel a certain way. We think that's the end. And God's like, no, I'm trying to change you, not just make you comfortable. So God told him that he had something great in store. So he had to contemplate that. What does that mean? He says he asked Jesus what he could do with all of the blessings he had been given. Uh, be careful when you ask God what he wants you to do. Just, you know, just be careful because God's like, all right, I'll tell you. 
The answer he heard, I want you to feed my people. Sometimes God will give you words, you're like, I have no idea what that means. Have you ever been there? Where God leaves you're like, what does that mean? Or you read the word and you're like, what? what? What's he talking about? Just like with the disciples where he told a farming thing and they're like, why did you tell us about seeds? That's a dumb story. He's like, now let me explain to you guys, right? This is where we need to slow down God's word, you guys. View it as a, a worship song or a scripture or a sermon, whatever it is. View it as a seed that needs to come take its time to wiggle down into your heart. And then it needs time to germinate. It needs time, it needs the sunshine, it needs the, the water, and just, just let it sit. It needs prayer with other people. It needs discussion and connection groups. And let it, let, let it ruminate a little bit. Let it go. And then all of a sudden, slowly. In fact, it'll be one of those things where all of a sudden when you wake up one day, you're like, what? There's a little bit of fruit. Like, something's changed. You won't even know it, right? It's like when you have a little plant. It's not like you see it grow in front of you. All of a sudden, when you wake up one morning, you're like, oh, boom. That's how it is. God's trying to illustrate something. And so he was contemplating it. He's asking God questions. He was seeking wisdom. And I want you to feed my people. But what does that mean? I'm a football player from the inner city. What does that mean? Although Brown didn't know anything about farming, he began walking by faith. He said, before I had to wrestle a 300-pound defensive lineman, now I have to wrestle 1,000-pound cows. How do you go from the inner city to being a farmer? You see, God's Word will transform you, but you've got to let it in beyond your emotions and let it change you, let it impact your life. Decisions will be made, it'll be scary, it won't be easy, but it'll be fruitful. It won't be easy, it will be fruitful. Too many sermons we've told you guys, it's going to be easy, he'll make your path straight. But that's why some of us, we fall short. We fall two days short, two months short, or two years short of God completely transforming you because you hold on to the things of this world and that seed is bouncing right off of you. You're so close, but let that seed sit there. What, I'm going to be a farmer? Brown's wife said it was, this is an article, Brown's wife said it was quite the transition going to living in a mansion to living on a farm. But she would never go back. Good thing he had a godly partner. When you have a good heart with good people around you, good things will happen. When you have a good heart with good Christians around you, good things will happen. You take out either one of those scenarios, guarantee you will not be fruitful in life. Guarantee got to have those components. That's the water. That's the sunshine. That's the, that makes all those things make the plant grow. But the soil has to be good. So it goes on. He says, um, being insecure and wondering if this decision was going to pan out for their family amounted to a lot of pressure. But Brown said he placed his trust in God. Are you seeing the good heart? I trust you, God. But your whole life has been football. I trust you, God. But even your own family, parents are like, what? Like, we spent so much money on Pop Warner. <laughs> like, come on, you can make it big. But I trust God. A good heart also overcomes bad people giving bad advice. No, 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 I trust God. I'm receptive. He lays this on my heart. Farming, food, I don't know what's going on here. See, he goes on in the article, it says, this is the most ep epic trust fail <laughs> ever in the world with this farm. But out of it, First Fruits Farm in Lewisburg, North Carolina, was started and is now thriving. This was back in 2015, if you know. And Brown is now using his farming success to give back, just like he intended. Now Brown's farm and his ministry, Wisdom for Life, 
give away nearly all the food he grows to people in need. Since 2014, up to today, First Fruits has provided more than 1.6 million servings of fresh produce to people in need. Yeah, you clap. That's something. Yeah, yeah. That was a horrible clap. We've got to work on our clapping. It's like a, it's like a golf tournament. Shh, don't get too excited. If you don't have the right heart, God can't produce the right fruit that He wants. And He wants. Here's the thing about God: He loves to produce fruit. Now, here's the thing. Sometimes, as you guys know, with farming. Or maybe you don't, because most of us aren't into that. But isn't there seasons? And what some of us do is God produces great fruit in our lives. Maybe He did it back when we were in high school, and I really did. I came out, I said, God, I did great ministry. And Or maybe it was 15 years ago when we first got married and we were both on fire for God. But God's like, yeah, there's going to be producing fruit, but you're going to go through winter and it's going to be dormant. And that's when someone's like, where are you, God? The fruit, no more. He can't produce fruit. And, and, and we think that's it. And God's like, no, no, no. The winter is actually a good time. The fall is actually a good time. It re-prepares the soil. It's actually good when God doesn't produce a lot of fruit in your life because he tests you to say, do you really love me? Even when you don't see it? And you get through that winter, and those of you that you know when you've been through it, you get through the winter, and you hold on, hold on to God's word, hold on to God's people, hold on to his spirit, what he's saying in you. And in time, it doesn't happen fast, the fruit comes. The fruit comes. And this is what happened in his life. Took five, six, seven years. He just released a new book. He never thought he would write a book. And God's like, write a book now. And I encourage you to read it. It's called uh, Center, Trading Your Plans for a Life That Matters. Center, Trading Your Plans for a Life That Matters. I encourage you to read this amazing book. He's not going to have a lot of notoriety. He's not a pastor. He's not all over the country speaking. One of the godliest stories of a man that's producing fruit for Jesus. Where's your heart today? Today might be encouraging for some of us. Maybe some of us is like, man, I see that fruit. I keep that going. And be, be, make sure you're, you're guarding your heart against a hard heart, a shallow heart, a divided heart. Some of us, it's okay to repent. Your heart doesn't have to stay there. God's amazing at breaking up the soil. And he simply says this, confess. Be honest. God, my heart is hard. I don't seek your truth. I avoid it. I isolate. And he says, just, just be honest. And watch because the Bible talks about that he will deposit into our hearts the Spirit of God who will give us the heart of God. And that's why we take communion. Just to acknowledge that. To go after that heart, saying, God, nothing matters if I don't have the right heart. So we're just going to take time and worship. Um, Pop's going to come up here. Go ahead and come on up and uh, let you guys get going. We have communion in the front and the back. I encourage you to take that. And if you want to take it by yourself or if you want to take it maybe with family or friends around you, and just acknowledge God's love, His goodness, and what He's trying to do uh, in your life. And I encourage you, too, as, uh, as we wrap up with worship, uh, we're going to celebrate. Um, we're going to head outside and, um, and baptize Chloe. And then, uh, and then encourage you. We're going to have some sandwiches, hang out.
and just hang out for a little bit together and eat sandwiches together. So we'll, we'll do that. So Jesus, I just pray for us because I feel like changing our circumstances is easier than changing our heart. For some of us, Lord, it's, it's been easy to kind of fake our way through Christianity. We kind of have the behaviors, we kind of have the looks, but we know our heart is just not receptive to your words and to your truth. God, I pray for some of us that are just exhausted by that. We're tired of doing life on our own. We're tired of trying to produce our own fruit and it makes us worry and stress. We keep making mistakes. And we're... Lord, I just pray we can rest that you created us, you love us, you know us, and that you want to produce in us a life of love, of joy, of peace, of patience and kindness. God, I pray you give us the motivation to speak your word, that the Bible would be exciting to us, that talking to other Christians would be exciting to us, that listening to your spirit, Lord, I pray that we would be a church that, that you would give us a word, that we could produce fruit in our family, we could produce fruit in our community, Lord, by being obedient to you. So God, just work on our hearts now, soften it, inspire us, Lord, prepare for whatever work you have. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information or to get in contact with our pastoral staff, please go to go to accesschurch.com.